Hello, everyone, and welcome to Coffee with Convery. I am your host, Brian Convery, and my guest today is Jake Bradshaw, a thoughtful and inspiring individual who I met a couple years ago here in Toronto. Jake is a graduate from Queen's University and has a Bachelor of Arts honors in politics, philosophy, and economics. Jake, welcome to the show. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to, to chat with you today. Me too. Me too. It's been a while since we had a coffee chat, so uh, looking forward to the conversation. Um, to get things going and maybe just warmed up, um, I'd like to ask a couple fast, rapid-fire questions to the guests. Gives a little bit more insights into you as a person and for our listeners. So, what is your favorite, most used emoji? Um, I really like the upside down smiley face. I don't really know why. It just, you know, it just resonates with me. Upside down smiley face. Okay, that's the first one yeah. of those. Rather oh, than good. the right side up smiley face. Yeah, it's just there's something kind of quirky about the upside down one that I that yeah that I just like. I like that. I like that. Okay, if you could eat one food and only one food for the rest of your life, what might that be? It's a weird answer, but I would say oatmeal with peanut butter. Wait a minute, peanut butter? Yeah, peanut really? butter on top of the oatmeal. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm totally a peanut butter freak. I've never tried that. Is it good? You've never tried it? Yeah. Yeah. I eat it every day. Well, sometimes I eat it twice never... a day, but every every morning. I've never put peanut butter on the top of it. I'm going to oh, try that. You, you should try. Yeah, 100%. Okay, I got to try it. I got my Reese's peanut butter eggs uh, the other day. That was, that was scary because it's halfway. The bag's gone. Um, <laughs> okay, favorite way to spend a day off? Um, definitely outside some type of activity, going on a walk or going on a hike, doing some type of winter or summer activity, depending on, on what the day was. So physically get out, do something, enjoy the day. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> With that in mind, do you hit the snooze button or wake up right away? So I really want to say that I wake up right away. So in okay. an ideal world, if you're asking me theoretically, what would I do? I would say wake up right away. But in reality, I have a really hard time waking up. So I actually just got a sunrise alarm clock, which has been a lifesaver because I have a tendency of my alarm going off and then me just not waking up at all and not even hearing it. So, yeah. And what does the sunrise do? It, it like gradually? Yeah, so it, it, it starts half an hour before my alarm, the light will start to come on and then right at the alarm, it's at its fullest brightness. Okay. And there's also sound effects, so there's birds chirping. So I wake up to the sun next to me and birds chirping. It's it's actually really nice. That is nice. That's a, that's a nice way to wake up versus some of these buzzers that make you fall out of bed when they go off. Um, yeah, and the issue is I don't even hear them sometimes, and so my family hears them, and I don't. So that causes that was causing some some tension. So I had to. Oh yeah, that could be a problem. <laughs> um, what is your favorite word? My favorite word. I don't know. I'd say passion. Passion. Weird. Yeah, that describes you. Word. I think passion works. Yeah. yeah. Okay, passion. Awesome. So, you know, many individuals like you, they've they've made that high school to post-secondary school into work, you know, either back to school or full-time or what have you. And um, you know, with today's audience, we 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 have number of listeners who might be coming through that journey or passing through that journey now. And I wanted you maybe to describe a little bit about your own journey. Um, I, I only hit on the highlights in the beginning, but your own journey, your transitions through those those different stages and what you might have learned along the way. Yeah, for sure. Um, so 
I studied at Queens. I started off in in arts, in arts in first year. You do a general first year, and then I moved into economics and sociology, and then ended up realizing I sociology wasn't really a good fit, and so I moved into politics, philosophy, and economics. And I graduated in December, so I'm now a university graduate, which I'm still kind of wrapping my head around it. It feels strange and weird and exciting all at the same time. Um, mm -hmm. In terms of other parts of my journey, my my first kind of corporate, I don't want to say real because I had other other jobs before. My 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 first formal internship was at RBC, which is how I met Brian. And I was working in wealth management. And since then, I've, I moved to corporate citizenship in my following summer. I started doing some, some work at some smaller consulting firms, ended up at, at a bigger consulting firm, and I'm now working in, in the startup space. And so pursuing full-time opportunities in you know, business strategy operations at, at a startup. Nice. I yeah, you've you've dabbled in it all a little bit, haven't you? <laughs> yes, I have. Um, <laughs> I have. And your other question was about yeah, it was about learnings. Um, yeah, there's there's so much to unpack. I think, and thinking back, you know, where I was four and a half years ago when I was just starting just starting university to now. It's crazy to think about all the different things that I've learned and the different experiences I've had. I think there's a couple of things that stand out for me. The first one is I've really enjoyed meeting new people and, and, you know, there's this idea of networking and people talk about networking all the time. And I like to think of it more as building relationships as relationship building. And that's something that I really enjoyed. Because in every different internship work experience that I've had, I've had the opportunity to meet a ton of people, you know, through coffee chats, like we had, or just through, you know, work interaction. And so that's been, that's been really enjoyable. And I think the, the learning from there is the power that your network and your relationships have to create future opportunities for yourself. And so I think, you know, how I met you is, is a great example of that. And, you know, my, my experience on the wealth management team really led me to you through that connection. And, and that's what led me to my, my future internship, my, my next internship on the corporate citizenship team. So throughout my different experiences, the, the people that have supported me along the way and the power that those people have to help me find opportunities has been definitely one, one of the big learnings. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that I've learned is, especially now, and especially with my internships as well, just said especially twice, but once you graduate, you're no longer working on, you're no longer graded for your activities. So. I don't have to give my 100% effort in order to get a grade, in order to get a good job. So I think that one of the things I'm realizing now is as I make decisions, as I enter the workforce, as I start my first full-time job, I have to hold myself accountable and also commit to excellence in every single thing that I do because there's no longer strict external factors that are forcing me to finish this test or finish this presentation and get an A. So I think there's this internal motivation that I need to channel and also focus on because there's no more kind of motivation coming from coming from grades that there was before. So I don't know if that's a learning or more of a realization that I want to commit to doing the best work that I can do in every single thing that I'm doing. And that's definitely part of the transition from, okay, I'm doing this for grades. I want to get a, you know, a good grade. And now it's, I'm doing this for myself. I'm doing this for my career. I'm doing this to, to be the best 
you know, X, whatever that, that I want to be. And last thing that, that I say, I would say that I've learned is just how, how many opportunities there are in the world. I mean, I guess in the world in terms of jobs um, and, and beyond jobs in terms of things you can volunteer at, things you can do. I think that when I was in high school, I, I don't think I really had any understanding of what jobs existed in the world. And I definitely had no understand, no idea of what jobs I wanted to do. And so it's been really exciting to talk to people and broaden my kind of idea of what jobs exist out there. And so I think from my first internship on, on the wealth management team, you know, I had an idea, okay, so there's wealth management, there's, you know, working in a bank, there's working in consulting and, and, you know, there are these worlds that exist. And then every experiences that I've had since that has, has made me realize how many opportunities exist and expanded my, my awareness, I think of, of all of the different things that I can do. Um, yeah. So that's what, that's what I would, I would say. Those are, yeah, very, very interesting. And uh, there, there's definitely something there. And I think as they think back, as you think back, you hear of these roles or jobs when you're growing up or in high school, you know, it's like, you know what a doctor is, a dentist, uh, you know, some of the, yeah. Yeah. the roles that are very clear or present, even in, even the way we get educated. Um, mm -hmm. But then to your point, it's like, the world and there's like a whole menu of things that you could do or think about and explore and that's what's exciting and i think it should be exciting it shouldn't be a stressor you should be thinking about okay if not this then maybe that and if not now then maybe then right it, it, there's a lot to explore 100%. so thanks for that uh so as you think about um school specifically, and I don't, it doesn't have to be high school, it doesn't have to be university, but um, one of these topics that always comes up in conversations I've had over the past 10 plus years has been all about, you know, I wish I learned this in school. I wish we talked about this in school. Do you have anything that through your journey or through your reflection that you think that could be taught in school that isn't? Yeah. Um, I think, I think one thing is, is, and I don't know if this is something that can be taught or if it's something that needs to be experienced and instilled in people is a belief, almost a, a belief in confidence in, in who you are, but also in your skills and abilities and talents. And Again, I don't know how how you would go about teaching that, but mm -hmm. I think it's so important that people graduate feeling confident that confident in themselves and confidence in in their abilities to pursue any type of job that they're interested in. And so so in terms of a specific thing that could be that could be taught, I think something around, an entrepreneurial mindset or, you know, entrepreneurship itself to just explain to, to, to students that, you know, you can use specific skills and you can use a specific mindset in everything that you're doing. And so getting that training, I think would help people have confidence in their abilities and confidence in in the fact that they can pursue any type of opportunity experience that they that they want. Um, I don't really know if that makes sense, but yeah, that's what no, I would it, say. it makes a lot of sense. It makes me want to ask another question if that's okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So how did you figure, or when did you figure that out if you're reflecting on that situation. And I have a second point once I hear what you have to say, because I, I hear you. 
And I think it's empowering to be that entrepreneurial spirit and to have that mindset. But how, like, yeah, how did you figure, when did you figure that out? When did I, when did I start believing? Well, in you, believing like that, that you too? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. I think probably a month ago. Really? And yeah, interestingly mm. enough. And the question as to how I came to that realization and how I came to that conclusion is number one, learning what the definition of entrepreneurship is. And, and number two is surrounding myself with people who are entrepreneurs, who are creating, who are pursuing their dreams and their passions and feeding off of their energy and taking steps that I need to do myself in order to accomplish certain goals that I have. And then having that validation from, from the people around me. So I think number one is definition. And number two is connecting with a community of people who are, who are doing who are entrepreneurs who are, who are creating and, and pursuing their dreams is so inspiring and, and makes me believe that I can do anything that I set my mind to. Um, and I think the definition of entrepreneurship that, that I really like and resonate with is someone who acts on opportunities to create value for others. And that definition is broad, but it's intentionally broad because it encompasses all of the different ventures and, and people who are entrepreneurial in different ways. So that means you could be an entrepreneur within your organization. You can be an entrepreneur at a startup. Um, you know, I would say someone who, who manages, you know, is a, is a hairdresser um, or, and, and has multiple clients. They are an entrepreneur. If you think about people who are working in construction, who are contractors, if you think about artists, musicians, creatives, so many people are creating these opportunities are, you know, sorry, not, they're, they're acting on these opportunities to create value. And once you start thinking that way, I, once I started thinking that way, I was able to reflect on experiences that I've had in my life and been able to reframe those experiences as entrepreneurial experiences. So for example, when I was in grade 12, I directed a play. And so I was working with a team of four and we put out auditions. We had auditions for the whole cast. We found the cast that we, that we you know, thought would do a great job. We created the set, we created the vision, we worked with the team. And reflecting back on that, I, I'm, I'm, I realized that actually that was, that was entrepreneurial. I, I created something, we created something that, that, that was valuable to other people. And so I would say the two things are understanding the definition and two is surrounding yourself with people who are, who are, are, are doing what you want to do, are pursuing their dreams, are being entrepreneurial. And yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. I, it's super insightful and I'm listening to you and reflecting myself on, on certain things. And so I want to go one more question on this and um, it makes me think, and I want to, so your outlook on that very, you know, learned it, got it positive. So let me play the other side of it, like devil's advocate. So I have been reading up, especially in talent um, and just, I'm always out looking at things. I'm always looking at people are posting jobs or sharing their opportunities or how they're approaching students and what's going on in the, in the ecosystem that I live in for my role. And I recently came across not one, not two, but probably 10 different postings of comments or people chatting in a blog or, and referring to students as top talent. And this is my pet peeve, um, my own my own personal pet peeve is, um, so I, I put a post out uh, just to get people to think about this. And I wanna share it quickly and get your response. But, you know, I, 
that bothers me when people say top talent because yeah. have you yeah. would you ever tell your your daughter your kid your niece your nephew that you're second tier or third tier talent um i, I hope not um yeah. but yeah. when people say and we're looking for top talent please come and apply or join my team we're top talent it's the right talent for the right role and it's the right talent for the right role at the right time is my philosophy and I posted that on LinkedIn and, and threw it out there, I think last night or the day before, because it's it's I'm seeing it so much used over and over. And I'm like, will we ever drop the words top talent and just move to right talent? Because top talent, again, I'm not sure I would describe myself as second tier or third tier. Um, I just I just I just love what I do and I think I'm good at it. And that's that's what it is, right? And getting to that that place. But What's your thoughts on that? Because I think it sometimes um, it also plays into the you're a non-target um, student or non-target school mm -hmm. and oh, and you got to be top talent. Back to your point of entrepreneurial, if the system is reinforcing negatives around yeah. that entrepreneurial spirit, it can also make people go the other way or feel like they are not qualified to to think that through. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, there's so much to unpack there. And I mean, I mean, first, first thing I would say is, as you mentioned, I don't think you would describe yourself as second or third tier talent. And I hope that no one would describe themselves as second or third tier talent. And no one would would think of themselves as second or third tier talent. So I don't like the, the idea of top talent either. And also, what does that even mean? I mean, are, are you are you looking just at grades? Are you looking just at work experiences? Are grades really the best predictor of job success? I don't think so. Do, no, grades, tell the, the, do, do grades tell the full picture of a, a student or, or or what they're doing if they're working two jobs in order to support their education and you know they're like it, it doesn't what does that even mean it, i guess is is my first question um because i would totally i totally agree with with everything that you that you've said and i don't believe that that grades is the best predictor of job success and i fundamentally believe that the 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 hiring system at the hiring system at a lot of companies is is fundamentally broken and mm -hmm. when i say it's broken i think it's broken because it's it's all about your network and and i get the whole point of use your network use your relationships 85% of jobs are are based on relationships and and that's that's great and so there is a piece of advice of you know develop relationships, use that as a way to get jobs. But the question underneath that is what what does that mean for people that that don't have a network? Or what does that mean for for people who don't have access to those opportunities? That's that's the thing that that I worry about. And when you're getting, you know, thousands of applications for one job, are you really picking the best people just because they were referred by someone is is that really the best way of of picking a job probably not at the same time you don't have a lot of options because there's no way you can read thousands and thousands of applications so i think i'm kind of going a little bit off topic here but no it's great I I, this is an, this is a fascinating topic and i think it needs to be discussed and and so I think when you look at hiring, when when I think about being entrepreneurial, when it comes to looking for job opportunities, that is really exciting to me. And I and I believe there are a lot of opportunities for people who want to look for jobs differently. And there's and there's a ton of content, I'm sure that, that you can find. But one thing that I've been doing is is trying to be creative when i'm applying to a job and so what that looks like for me is a couple of things number one i 
do video cover letters. So there's an app called SendSpark. It's free. I record a video of myself and I send that to the hiring manager or to someone who is connected to the job and say, hey, I wanted to just submit this to complement my application. That's the first thing. The second thing that I've been doing is creating a presentation or a recommendation for the company that I'm applying to. So I, I want to preface just by saying that these tactics I've been using for startups. So I don't know the efficacy when it comes to, you know, a big corporation and it will likely look different. So I, I want to say that first, but when I'm applying to a job, I'll make a presentation and say, this is how I think that you can improve your app, or this is how I think you can reach a bigger audience. This is how you can increase revenue, et cetera. And then I'll find someone's email of someone that I, I don't necessarily know. And there's different ways you can do that online and, and I'll send it to them. And I'm amazed at the number of responses that I've got and, you know, sending a cold email, there's this expectation on my end that no one's ever going to respond to it, but I've actually seen really positive feedback. And, and I think in the fall, I applied to about 10 jobs um, using these tactics and I got a response um, from eight of them and ended up interviewing, um, I think at, at about six of them. So that's a 60% interview rate and an 80% response rate, which, which is substantial when you're looking at, when you're looking at applying to hundreds of jobs. I think a lot of people have the strategy of, I'm just going to flip my resume, apply to as many jobs as possible. But I think there's an opportunity if you're being targeted in your approach in terms of companies that you're interested in to spend more time on the application. And I believe that if you're entrepreneurial in that way and you take the time and you are creative, there is a ton of opportunities for people who don't have the network, who don't have the experience, who don't have the skills on the job description that you're looking for. And so this current job I'm at, I'm working right now, I read the job description and they, they were asking for digital marketing experience and I had zero and I made a video cover letter. I didn't know anyone at the company and I sent it to the hiring manager and I ended up getting an interview. And in the interview, I explained how I was actively focused on learning what I needed to know in order to excel at this job. And I ended up, I ended up receiving a job offer. So I think that's an example of how you can use those tactics when, when you don't have that network and don't have that experience. The last thing I want to say is that if you post a job description and you ask for two to three years, first thing, an, an, an entry level position, which I think is an analyst or a coordinator position, you cannot ask for five years of experience on an entry level job. I mean, what, what, what is that? Okay. So first of all, I think, I don't think that that should be a practice that that's, um, and the second thing is when you ask for a certain level of experience on an entry level job, you have to be aware of the people that you are automatically removing from that application process. And what I mean by that is if you have someone like me who is entrepreneurial, who has confidence, as we've been talking about in my ability to, you know, Confidence in my ability to you know, find a job or, or do something that I enjoy, which is a result of, of a variety of different factors. I look at a job that maybe asks for over two years of experience and I will still apply to it because I've seen success in the past and I have confidence in my ability to, I have confidence in my skills and the value that I can bring. And I have confidence in my ability to adapt to jobs and learn what I need to on the job. However, there are people, there are numerous people who may not be applying for that job because they don't have that same confidence in their skills or their abilities. And they may be just as qualified, if not more than me, actually, to succeed in that job. And I saw a really interesting LinkedIn post about this. And there was actually, there was actually a study done on the gender gap between males and females in that males have a tendency to apply for jobs that they're underqualified for sorry, that they're underqualified for and females have a tendency to apply for jobs they're overqualified for. So when you post a job and say, oh, two years plus years of experience, you, you will 
most likely get more males applying than you necessarily would females. Um, and it's great to say in the interview, oh, but we weren't actually looking for two years of experience. And when I've been in those interview situations, it's actually, they don't actually look for the amount of experience. So people need to understand what you're just putting on those job descriptions and how it's impacting the talent that are applying for those opportunities. Yeah, it's your marketing billboard. And I said that. Okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I just said it's um, your marketing no, billboard. I, I get it right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I think I, I, I said a lot of things and I spoke a lot, so a lot to unpack, but I think I'm on a little bit of a rant too, because this is something that I'm I'm really passionate about and that I I, I see as the problem and and am 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 really interested and keen to help youth, you know, new graduates, young people who who want to be entrepreneurial and and find job opportunities and and coach them in any way that I can. Um so yep. yeah, that's it's kind of a no, you didn't go on a rant. I actually think point. this is a insightful conversation, and I hope for listeners here that are listening to this conversation. Um, you know, if I was a bit younger and bold and confident or whatever, I might ask someone, "Oh, I see you're looking for top talent. Could you tell me what that is?" Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> because it's defined differently by everyone. So let's talk right talent and maybe change that. I don't know if I can keep plugging at that message, maybe more and more people will, it's not just talent advisors that are doing it, it's business folks, it's everyone telling the HR team, we want top talent too. So yeah, hopefully this message gets across that, you know, again, back to what you said, I would never tell my niece or nephew that they're second or third tier talent, which would just make them crush. Um, it's all about the entrepreneurial spirit and enabling that for people to be what they want to be. So anyways, we could yeah. go on probably for an hour just on that topic. So um, going to a bit more personal now, can you share with me and the audience about a challenge you've had in life and how you overcame it? Yeah, um, for sure. So my, one of my biggest, well, no, not one of my, my biggest challenge was my was and is my struggle with mental illness i have struggled with depression and, and anxiety in the past and i and i still do on a, on a regular basis um but the most challenging i think part for me uh, of when my mental illness really came to fruition and started really having an impact on my life was was from the transition from high school to first year. So in the summer after grade 12 is when I was feeling when I started feeling really sad and I was feeling really anxious about my future. And for for weeks on end, I just felt this overwhelming feeling of dread. And so I was in a place where I was very uncertain about my first year of university. And so when I got to university, the first, you know, week and month and a half to two months went well, actually, they, it was fun. Everyone was in first year, everyone was doing activities. I was meeting people and that was really fun. And then afterwards, my, my depression and anxiety started to creep in. And so throughout first year, I struggled immensely. There were days where it was really hard for me to get out of bed. There were days where I didn't get out of bed. Um, and I had a really hard time. And so that was the first time where I had to reach out for help. I started being, seeing a therapist. I started committing to certain actions that I needed to do on a regular basis in order to, in order to manage my mental illness, including meditation, exercise, um, cognitive behavioral therapy, et cetera. And so that first year experience was challenging, but I ended up getting through it. And when I started in second year, I had this new perspective and I, you know, gave in, I bought into the idea of, you know, first year's hard, but second year's the best year of your life and it's all going to be great. And for some reason, I thought that I would never be depressed or sad or anxious again. And so when I got to school, all of my feelings from first year came back and they came back with a intensity that I, that I never experienced before. And so about a week about a, no, I think 
two weeks and a half into into my second year, I made a decision with my psychologist, my therapist, that I was going to take a semester off. And I knew that I needed to make that decision for myself because it got to a point where I wasn't able to manage my day-to-day tasks. I couldn't focus in my classes. I was anxious all the time. And I, I knew that I had to to had to take a break and had to make a change. And so I, I'm very grateful that I had the opportunity to take a semester off because I recognize that that's a privilege um, that I had that not everyone that not everyone is able to have. So I'm very grateful for that privilege. And went back home, moved back home away from from Queens and my friends, and really focused on understanding what was happening to me started seeing a psychiatrist, I started medication and and really just focused on getting better. And it took me about three months of intense focus and work that I did every single day before I finally started to get better. And that experience and the resilience that I, I, I don't know what the word is, the resilience that I kind of grew from that experience has mm-hmm. been really valuable to me um, because I know that now when I have bad days, which which we all do, and I, I you know, have a lot of bad days, when those bad days happen or when I face a challenge in my personal or professional life, I have confidence in my ability to overcome those challenges because of the experience that I had with, with my mental illness. Hmm. Wow, thank you. Jake, for being so vulnerable and transparent and upfront on on that issue and that challenge. And, um, you know, I think it's, uh, first of all, you know, it's a journey and uh, and where you are and sharing that with the listeners and, um, I, I, you know, with me as well. I I appreciate that because I think there's others that, not, not I think, I know there's others that struggle with yeah. this quite, as we know, and you know, part of the reason I got involved with helping out with you with Jack.org was to show up and to be there and to understand, um, you know, as well and to support, um, you know, knowing that I also struggle with anxiety personally myself and yeah. um, it, it comes in waves and this whole pandemic certainly has heightened this for more people and or um, intensified it for even others. So, um, I think it's an important topic and thank you for, for sharing that. Of course. Uh, as we, uh, go through here, another thought I wanted to talk about was, um, you know, priorities and we think about things as far as, you know, what you might've dreamed of becoming when you, when you got older or <laughs> graduated or what have you. And. You know, yesterday's dreams aren't always today's realities. I saw that recently and I built it into this podcast because I liked the quote and it made me think about a lot of things. But, um, you know, as you think about that, you know, how have your priorities changed over time and and maybe why? Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. I like, I like that question. I think, I think that, okay, so, so to start answering that question, I've had a lot of, of different work experiences and internships. And yeah. I think that's because I'm interested in a lot of different things. But just to kind of give a rundown, because I think it's part of part of my journey and part of my answer to this question, I started off in wealth management at RBC and found out about this, this magical team called Corporate Citizenship at RBC through my involvement with Jack.org. And they're, they're a major funder of Jack.org. And so went from wealth management at RBC to the corporate citizenship team at RBC, where I worked on mental health donation strategies. I analyzed different mental health apps that RBC should research and and invest in and looked at the climate change strategy and and a whole bunch of different things related to how RBC supports communities and, and helps communities thrive and prosper. From there, I had this, this idea, I don't know if it's an idea or or more of a a feeling or belief that in order to be successful in the corporate world or be successful at all, I had to, to be a consultant. And so that was my driving force from my RBC corporate citizenship experience. So I pursued opportunities 
at consulting firms. I ended up landing a job at Deloitte in their human capital consultant practice. Before that opportunity, I worked at a small boutique consulting firm in Kingston while I was in school that does impact evaluation and, and economic development work, which was my first kind of small business experience and, and something that I enjoyed. I ended up working at Deloitte, really enjoyed the pace, found it really challenging, found the work really challenging. And after that experience, I wanted to explore the startup world. And so I ended up working on a project for 10,000 Coffees, which is also a partner of RBC and also someone who I met through through one through Mark, so through someone at RBC, worked on a project for them, ended up getting hired on a contract. I also had another startup that I was I was kind of consulting for in the fall. Um, that was a consumer packaged goods company. Then through that experience, I ended up landing on this idea of digital marketing and growth and what that looks like, which then led me now to my experience at Bonsai. And, and so I think what that story is about is about me trying different things. And at every single point in my journey and every di different internship and experience I had, I had different priorities and different goals. And some people, not some people, some people have, have looked at my resume and said, you know, it looks like you've had a wide variety of experiences, but aren't necessarily kind of specialized in one area. And I think that's absolutely true. And I think it's taken me a long time, not a long time, it's taken me probably about three years to finally identify what exactly I want to be doing. But there's no rush. And I finally figured it out. And I think it's it's a factor of all these different experiences I've had. And so in terms of my priorities, I would say that my number one priority for a really long time and, and the reason why I wanted to work in consulting was this idea of credibility. And I don't necessarily know how I would define it. I mean, it's, it's, it's the way that yeah. I think I thought about it was, would someone look at me and say, as you were saying it, would someone look at me and say, oh, you're top talent, you're smart, um, you're capable. So that's kind of how I define credibility. And I thought about credibility as working at big organizations that had strong reputations where I would be labeled as capable and smart. And so that was my priority, my number one priority for, for a really long time. And I can't tell you exactly when that changed, but I think that somewhere along the way, my priorities shifted towards impact and responsibility and fast paced and autonomy. So really what I realized is that I wanted to work at an organization that I believe was having a positive impact on the world, doing impactful work. And I wanted to be a significant contributor in that organization. And a lot of the times, what I'm describing is working at a startup. So working at a company that, that has zero credibility. They're, they're a company that's just starting, they're doing something new, there is no credibility. And my number one priority shifted from credibility to impact. And that's what led me, I think, from the corporate world to, to now working at a startup. And it's in Interesting because I think this this idea that I explained how you know a month ago I, I realized that I want to be entrepreneurial, be entrepreneurial. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to create. I want to create things. I want to create value for others. Entrepreneurship and and a one of my coaches. I, he's he's also my my cousin. So he's but he's also my my life coach. Um, <laughs> he he made me realize that credibility and entrepreneurship are actually the opposites. And it's kind of seems like common sense, but I was realizing that my, my dreams, my goals, my aspirations, which were always around being an entrepreneur were fundamentally misaligned with the types of opportunities that I was chasing afterwards. 
And so when I would set goals for myself, my goals were around, I want to create something. I want to create an organization. I want to create a, uh, start a company. I want to create value for others. But while I was setting those goals and reading those on a regular basis, because I like to do that, I was pursuing something in my professional life that was the complete opposite of what my goals were. And I think that was creating misalignment and, and, and leading to the misalignment internally in terms of what I was doing. And so yeah. I finally recognized that, that credibility and entrepreneurship are really opposites. And if I really wanted to be an entrepreneur and I really wanted to create value for other people and have an impact, I had to stop prioritizing credibility in the opportunities that I was, that I was seeking. And I've made that conscious decision now to, to stop worrying about credibility. You know, if you asked me, have you stopped worrying about credibility completely? I would say no, because I think credibility is this, this thing that is internalized. It, it, it was internalized, you know, within me from a young age, from my high school to Queens, to being a competitive environment, to chasing after the best jobs at the best companies possible once you graduate. So I think I'm doing the work now to distance myself from that concept and it's challenging. Um, and I, and I still worry about it sometimes, but, um, I've made the conscious decision to, to, to not use that as a factor in the opportunities that I pursue. So that's a, yeah. that's a very long answer, but oh, yeah, no, it's, yeah. thank you for painting that. It actually, you, you really painted a picture of that overall, almost like, uh, you know, visually stimulating and depicting what you went through and how you've gotten to that, um, that place. And it's, yeah, as you're talking through it, I can see that as being, being, uh, a, you know, an, an interesting respect, re reflection, and also an interesting, uh, point of reference for others to hear. So thank you for sharing that. Um, one, one last question we got, well, we have two really quick last questions, but one I want to ask about is, um, your values and as we talk about values and skills and get away from GPAs and credentials, you know, I really try to steer young people into talking more about that. Don't lead with what you do lead with who you are. Um, who, if you were to describe yourself and your values and skills, what would you say? Yeah, I, I think a couple things first would be empathetic and caring. I think, you know, personal life, but as well, professional life, that that's something that's really important to me. I try to listen attentively. Like, I think empathy is about understanding other people, but also just, just being a good listener. And so when someone comes to you with a challenge they're facing, you know, personal, professional, being empathetic and listening to them. You know, the things I would say would be resilient, I think that's a skill that's really proved to be impactful for me and mm -hmm. curious. I think being curious is really important. And the last thing I would say is, is probably, probably entrepreneurial slash gritty slash, you know, trying things that, that you don't necessarily think will work, but trying them anyway. I love it. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, you know, as we start to close out the show, I, I mean, I could talk for you with you for hours, and um, and sometimes we do. <laughs> um, <That'll> do. <laughs> but um, as uh, as we start to close it out, and thinking about all the great advice and the great insights and the the vulnerability and everything you've shared, um, is there anything you'd like to share with the audience or leave leave um, maybe a bit of advice or concept with with today's listeners before we close out? Yeah. Um, yeah, two things. First is don't, don't limit yourself. And, and I know that's kind of cheesy to say, but I'm just really sick of, of hearing new graduates, people looking for internships, saying what they can and can't do. So first thing would be, you know, if you believe that you can't do something, you're wrong. And, and I know, again, that's kind of cheesy and inspirational, whatever, but 
but having that belief that you can do anything that you set your mind to is such a powerful and motivating way of of living your life and also it'll give you access to opportunities that that you hadn't even imagined before the second thing i would say is surround yourself with people who you want to emulate so if you're interested in a specific job if you're interested in a, in a career path if you're interested in entrepreneurship surround yourself with people who want to do what you want to do but who also have already done what you want to do because the energy that you can get from others who are accomplishing the goals and dreams that you have is infectious and will help bring back to that first piece of advice in terms of believing in yourself and your ability and as i said i think it's taken me a long time to believe that i can do anything that i set my mind to and that has only come from being part of this accelerator program that I'm in now and talking to, to people on a regular basis who are doing the things that I, I want to do, I want to do and, and am doing. So I think that's, that's hugely powerful. Yeah, no, 100%. And, you know, um, I just want to, you know, I just want to tell you, I want to thank you so much for, for joining me and being a guest on my show and, you know, truthfully, you've been the inspiration to me when I shared this idea with you. I think I remember where over lunch <laughs> uh, in Toronto and I said, you know, I'm going to do this. I, I've heard so many stories. I think people need to hear them. I think people need to learn from yeah. each other. I think students hear from other students. You know, you were the one who kept saying, do it, do it, get get it going, do it. <laughs> and I, <laughs> so I have to say thank you for for inspiring me and for pushing me in a good way to to get this <laughs> off the ground. Um, and especially during co-op month, I think the impact this month and, and sharing that, you know, these internships, these thoughts, you know, the fact that you can do these things, don't tell yourself you can't. Um, this has been a great opportunity to to talk with you and, and thank you so much. Well, you're you're welcome and I'm I'm glad that I you know, I wasn't too pushy. And um, yeah, I, I think you know, this is awesome. And uh, you're, you're an amazing person. And you, you, you're so genuine in these conversations. And I think the world needs to hear, hear the stories that that, you know, you've been a part of that you've told that you've heard. Um, so I'm glad that I was able to, to help, um, help you kind of get going. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. Well, for our listeners, if you liked what you heard today, please share this podcast with your network and please continue to tune in for more upcoming episodes. This has been Coffee with Convery, and until next time, please stay well. <laughs>